what I would say as well is if you're a breeder and you're breeding puppies, don't just let the pups just be hanging out in the backyard and doing nothing. What I would do is if I was breeding dogs is that I would be doing as much exposure and conditioning with those pups as possible so basically i'd be getting them used to loud noises even from even younger than they're seven weeks old why not start showing them how to interact with certain different stimulus that the the environment can provide so um if you're a good breeder and a lot of good breeders are out there these pups come and they kind of they don't know commands but they know how to interact and engage with you um but you got a lot of people that are just breeding just for the fun of breeding and this can cause other issues as well so um you know, that's a, that's a big problem. Mm. Then we go down the route of, you know, bad breeding selection isn't really good. So then we've got, um, genetic traits that are passing through into other dogs. That then means that we have aggression issues, um, anxiety issues, fear related things. And, you know, and these things are, um, hopefully as we start to develop, you know, with our, in the canine community that we're starting to get more responsible, um, ownership and breeders, um, giving good advice as well. So yeah. Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Episode three, we're back. Here we are. Awesome. All Good right. to see you, brother. Yeah, man. We're talking about uh, baby dogs, puppies today. Puppies. Yeah. yeah. A few important things that we should be realizing when we first get a puppy into our house. And it's very much overseen, I think. And the first, like, there's three topics in our topic today that we're going to try to cover because we can talk about puppies for hours on end. But I think the three most important things. So um, one of them is early exposure to their environment. Yeah. Second is teaching puppies how to learn. And the third is we want to know what should we do and management inside the house. Okay. So we're going to briefly discuss those three things in today's episode. Yeah. And um, hopefully it benefits everyone who's listening today. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. All right. Well, the first thing we talk about, and I think this is the most important thing, I think, across not just with puppies, but it's the reason why dogs have behavioral issues in the first place. I think one of the main contributing factors is talking about the critical period of a puppy's psychological development. So it's between seven and 17 weeks and roughly thereabouts is when the puppy's in this critical period of development. So what does that mean? Is that in this time, this is when the dog is learning everything about their environment and, you know, the early foundations. And we call it the critical period is because if whatever they're exposed to in this time will determine a lot of what's going to happen in the future for that dog's life. Mm -hmm. And there's some parallels here too because – and and Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot is when you have a child, you've got basically, let's say three, three to four years uh, to, to socialize the kid and to create a child that people that a people want to be around mm-hmm. and that, you know, other kids want to play with. It's the same thing with the dog, right? Like if you've got a shitty, scary, misbehaving dog, no one wants to hang around with it. For sure. And you've, you've only got a certain amount of time to, to develop that. Exactly. So, um, now, what we need to do in this first seven to 17 weeks, so essentially as soon as we get our fresh puppy, most people getting their puppies at around about eight weeks old, yep. is we need to, well, first things first, show what, what a harness and what a lead is to that dog or to that pup. So we want to, 
when we first get the dog into the house, attach a harness, attach a lead, and just get the puppy used to that sensation. In the house, yeah? In the house. Because if we go for a, like out in the front where it's already overwhelming and we have something strapped to their body that's kind of putting a bit of weight, it can kind of freak them out. Right. So first tip is we get that harness on and that lead and we practice, you know, with just food training and just kind of get him to walk around, play with the toys to basically desensitize. Right. And so should they just be wearing that? Constantly in the house? Maybe not constantly, intermittently throughout the day. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you're watching TV and you just got home from work, whack it on, have a bit of a game with your dog. Maybe don't just put it on and then just leave the dog. With the lead? Um, maybe at first, maybe just the harness. Yeah. And then we can attach the lead because the lead will add weight to the harness and the the pup can like try to bite it and get a little bit scared from it. So I'd probably use it in conjunction with doing little mini training sessions with food or playtime with the ball or with tugs and things like that. So the dog's actively thinking about the activity you're doing and then it just stops thinking about the harness and then it'll become just a, just a a desensitized action on the, on the dog's body there. So that's number one, because that's going to set us up for the second step is about, showing that we want to start showing the dog the world. We want to start showing this puppy what the world has to offer. Yeah. Now, the first steps about getting your puppy outside is showing what the driveway is like. You know, just when when it's a little bit of a windy day, maybe it's a little bit rainy, maybe your neighbours have come outside and we want to start exposing them to dogs, people, sounds, you know, different movements, you know, environmental stimulus, which could be, you know, trucks and cars and like so many different things, a lawnmower, like things that we take for granted. We're so desensitised to these things, but if a puppy's never seen it before, it can become very, it can be a very scary thing. Now, before I continue, I think it's important because this is where the controversy yes. is, is that we have a lot of um, our vets. Now, I think a lot of vets are coming on board and understanding the importance of the critical period of development, but um, a lot of vets' advice would say don't take your pup out until their last vaccination. Which is 17 weeks. Roughly around 16, 17 weeks. Right. Now, if we wait until that last vaccination, we start taking a dog out. And the dog has the puppy hasn't had exposure to the world, so that's where we start to see a lot of nervousness. It's not um, socialized. Yeah, fear, yeah. anxiety can start to set in, um, or over excitement, not not sure how to interact with the world yeah. and and with these things around. So that's what we need to start um, really considering: is how do we make how do we meet both parts of the advice and come into the middle? So yeah. my advice would be stick to concrete paths. Um, cause parvovirus is what one of the active viruses that could, you know, be fatal to a puppy. And that's, that's, is that the main sort of concern that the vets are usually advising around? Yeah. So it's parvovirus and there's a few others like hepatitis and distemper and I didn't probably even say that right. And a few other different right. strains of viruses and bacteria that could be, um, like these pathogens that could be infecting right. the dogs. So, um, now parvovirus is particularly bad because it can be fatal and it can live in the grass for a very long time. And it, it's in their feces, right? Yeah. So an infected dog in with parvovirus feces. has to poo somewhere. Yeah. And then that dog has to then come in direct contact with that virus yeah. for, for it to be contracted. So if you think about it, Let's just say, cause I service most of Sydney and most of our metropolitan Sydney, the, the, sorry, the, um, the chances of your dog getting parvovirus inside Sydney is so little right. that it's almost very, it's, it's very, negligible. very, un, it's yeah. very unlikely yeah. for your puppy to get parvovirus. Now, more have you dogs, ever heard of a dog getting it in Sydney? I have seen a lot of, I've seen a couple of clients that when they got their dog, it had parvovirus from right. where the breeder was. And I think in the breeder's grounds, something uh, was happening. I think that, that wasn't, wasn't clean. Yeah, it wasn't clean. Maybe they were using breeding from another pup and something happened, right? What does it do to the dog once they get it? Basically, it's like 
kills them from the inside out. Like so it will kill them? Is it, it a fatal? It can kill them, yeah. but, it, but it can be treated as well if you get it early. Right. So um, to put into perspective, I worked at City Dogs and Cats Home and I was there for a few years and we were looking after many different councils, um, um, all the strays and dogs that were yeah. coming from those council areas. And what, and we were seeing like thousands of dogs. And in that time, I seen me personally seen one dog that had harbor virus. Yeah. We ended up treating that dog and that dog then still ended up finding a good home in good health. All was good. But the amount of dogs that were put down because of bad socialization, aggression issues, reactivity and all. And, Way you know, more. So much more that it's yeah. just not comparable. So more dogs are dying because of their behavior and it can be contributed to lack of socialization, that critical period. And you can see it with some dogs that just don't know how to interact. They see a dog and they're so scared. That they've never been taught. They haven't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's really important that we make the right decision for our puppies. Now, of course, if a vet tells you some advice, we're most likely going to go with that person's advice sure. because they've got the accolades. They're and a doctor. The, they're yeah. a doctor, right? And now, obviously, vets are going to see more of this sort of um, virus and, you know, potential risk in puppies. So I guess they're going to see it more where I see a lot more of the behavioral issues. So yeah. as I said, we meet halfway. The balance. Yeah, we don't want to disagree. I'm not disagreeing with the vets because I think they're still doing the right thing. Yeah. And 20 years ago, parvovirus was a lot more prominent than what it is now. Right. So, you know, it takes time for advice and things to change. And there is a lot of vets these days that, that my clients are telling me and vets that I know that are saying the exact same thing I'm saying is that we stick to concrete paths until they're fully vaccinated. We don't go to dog parks. We don't go to highly dog populated areas. Right. Um, we just avoid our dogs just, you know, coming in contact with, with feces um, of other dogs. And we're generally in the clear. They can still socialize with other dogs as long as they've been vaccinated and they don't have parvovirus, then the dog's going to be in good health. Now, um, what we need to do is the most important thing, the top number one thing. It's not really about teaching commands and, you know, worrying about all the other issues, which can be resolved anyway over time, but you can't get back what you miss out in that critical period. Yeah. So you've got to get your puppy out. Show, um, and what my advice would be is, let's just say in the first week is get your pup used to the driveway. Get your pup then used to the front, you know, front um, footpath of your house. Start walking up and down the street. Have some high value food with you, so you'd be rewarding behaviours that you enjoy. No, I know for you, you found that. Um, is it Frankfurt's? Frankfurt's are good. Yeah, high so value you want a food. soft food, but that the dog really wants. That's right. Right. So Frankfurt's can be good now. Some puppies because they're still new to having different foods, and maybe Frankfurt can be a bit rich for them. Yeah, you know, barbecue chicken, okay. little bits of steak, just basically anything the puppy's going to eat. Just chop it up into little small nibbles. pieces, yeah. right? Yeah, like half the size of your pinky nail or something, because we don't want to be overfeeding our dogs either mm-hmm. or our puppies either. So. So, um, so, yeah, so start encouraging good behavior. Now, don't go too close. If your neighbor's doing, you know, cutting the grass with the lawnmower and you see that your puppy's a little bit reserved, go nice and slow, make some appropriate space and don't rush into it. Okay. If we rush into going into a into an environment straight away, then we can we can flood them with too much stimulus and yeah. that can cause another reversive effect to, to our training. So, yeah, really important. I think it's like... Anyone that calls me, and if I can't see them within a week and they've just got a puppy, my first advice over the phone for free is get your puppy used to a harness and start showing them what the driver in the front, like start walking up and down your street. Because, um, um, and before they'd spoken to you, they've probably been told by the vet or the breeder or both, keep the dog in the house. It's half-half, I think, now. It's more like some breeders are like, get your pup out, but avoid the dog right. parks. But they've had that advice, some- keep the dog inside, Yeah, um, don't take it out. Exactly. It's dangerous. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's, 
and of course, like no one wants their dog to get sick either, right? No, of and, like, and, and most people, look, everyone that I've seen, so I've seen over a thousand clients in the last eight years, and not one of my clients that have had puppies, not not even had had dogs, have taken their dogs or puppies out and had parvovirus. I haven't had that report back to me. Yeah. And as I said, I've seen quite a few dogs, and um, which is really good. I've done it with my own pups, and um, and you can see why why it's really important. So um. So then from there, walking up and down the street, you want to start visiting cafes, maybe the bus stop, the train stations, you know, go to a friend's house. Such basically think about what does the environment have to offer and try to expose as much as you can. What I would also do if you've got the time and the effort is go into complete new environments, like show your puppy what a, what a horse is, for example. Sure. Um, you know, go out to places where you're going to see different sort of stimulus. So about things like getting them used to being in the car and that kind of thing? 100%. Yeah. I think that's really important, the car. So basically anything that we can think of, loud noises, um, sensations of the ground, start walking them on rocks, sand. walk them on the sand. Yeah. You know, um, you know, people would work, um, use different um, different things like a, a, a can curtain. So they have like cans of curtains and then the dog has to go in. Or a, a lot of trainers use okay. um, big, like those um, those clams, yep. like the pools um, full of different- Water? No, no. So just with like um, balls or, oh, yeah. you know, just bottles, things that are going to make noise. And we lure the puppies in there just to give them new sensations. So we start to build confidence. Right. So confidence is really important. Confidence is what we're trying to build in puppies. My uh, classical thing that I would like to um, achieve in the first six months is have a puppy that's super confident. Yeah. That's more confident that we probably can handle as a, as are older. The reason why is because once we have good confident puppy, then we can start to trim off some of the, the confidence and then <laughs> shape them into the dog that we okay. want them to do. We don't want them to be so timid and trying to build confidence as they're older because that's going to be a lot harder and a right. lot more stressful for everybody. So let's say you meet a, <clears throat> sorry, you meet a puppy that's, 17 weeks old and it's never been socialized properly you've got a lot more work to do right because they've missed that that critical period generally now some people uh, are very lucky and their pups are generally very confident pups and they get out and about and we don't see many issues so do some breeds have more confidence than others or i think it goes individual dog yeah um but i guess there are for example I'll go off the top of my head, like if um, we have a dash hound, yeah, that probably hasn't had a lot of socialization from young, just generally. A bit fearful. They can be a little. They're more prone. From my experience, I can see that they can be more fearful, more, yeah. more um, unsure of what to do in their environment. So we have more reactivity and aggression issues. Um, I've got a client that I'm probably seeing sometime this week, and she's got an eight month old Bichon. Um, I haven't seen her yet, but the dog, as soon as there's a harness or a, or a lead attached to that dog, she goes into complete shutdown. Really? So, which then means this pup for the first eight months of its life hasn't even gone outside properly and had an experience. So now we know that we're going to have so many issues. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. Sometimes we've seen dogs in such a state of fear and we've overcome so many of them. It does take some time. Yeah. And we've, and we've, um, really turned, turned the tables on the way that they see the world. So. That's really, really important. I can't stress it enough. It's so, mm. it's so critical to um to that development physically and mentally. So um, so yeah. So getting them into many environments, showing them different stimulus, and start doing things like, for example, if it's raining outside, go for a bit of a walk with your puppy. Show right. them what rain is on their skin, and if there's a thunderstorm, I did that with Spades heaps often when he was a puppy. Big cracks of thunder was my cue to go out in the park and have a play. Conditioning. Conditioning. Yeah. Um, so, um, and of course, while you're at home, pots and pans, different things, loud noises, you know, a meeting of different people. What about things like um, the vacuum or hair dryers and Definitely. stuff like that? Because I've seen, 
I've seen videos of you know, <clears throat> sorry, dogs that really hate vacuum cleaners. They like they freak out. They're barking or they For don't sure. like the hairdryer, the lawnmower. That's another mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So things that are on wheels and moving, like the vacuum and the lawnmower, a loud noise will it could stimulate a prey drive in the dog and they want to chase it and bite right. it. Or, yeah, some dogs are scared and they'll disappear and hide and shake. Um, like not shake with their paw, but shake their body. Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, and it could be a fearful reaction. So not only will they run away, but then they may try to attack the thing that, that they're not sure of and like brooms and things like that. And again, a lot of it is kind of normal if they're like chasing the broom or the mop, but it's those loud noises and we want to take slow progression steps towards desensitization so we don't go oh cool low and moment we just turn it on while the is <laughs> right next to it yeah we want to find an appropriate distance and slowly get closer and closer and the way to know how close you get it will de- de- determine on what the puppy's doing okay. so if the puppy's showing interest and wants to go closer when well, this is good with the puppy's really scared we don't push them too hard but we also don't wait too too long as well we want to try to encourage them so it's a bit of a balancing act and that's well, of course, you know, we're limited in the podcast. Even if it was a video, each pup is different. And that's why you consult with, with your trainer about yeah. how to do these things. So, um, that early exposure, um, exposure and socialization. So habituation is being, is creating a good conditioned response to things in the environment. And socialization is learning how to deal with people and dogs and other right. animals. Other stimulus. That's right. Yeah. So w- good socialization. Now, a lot of people would think, Again, I'm not going to have a dig at who do, who do like the traditional puppy classes, but the way that I do puppy classes are all one-on-one. So I go into the people's house and I show people what to do with their puppy and giving them this sort of advice. If you go into those group classes where it's very small and like, you know, the size of this room. Yeah, like I've seen it. Like might be at the vet's waiting room. I've yeah, seen that. I've, I've walked past a vet before where it was in the lobby and it's like a Monday night and everyone mm-hmm. brings the puppies and it's like, you know, the room's only as big as this. Yeah. room you've got 10 puppies like going crazy it's probably too much for those pups and we think that socialization so like after the normally it'd be like a vet nurse or someone who's giving this sort of advice and again it's not like it's bad advice they're giving but sometimes it's going to be incomplete advice it could also be that we have this assumption puppies want to play so we all let the pups off at the same time and we've got a small you know cavoodle puppy which is you know 10 weeks old and you've got the German Shepherd puppy who's 10 weeks old is a significant size difference. Drive is different, you know, and it could be that the Cavoodle scares the Shepherd or the Shepherd scares the Cavoodle. But a bad interaction in this raw period can be really detrimental to the how the dog sees other dogs in the future. So, How old was Spades when he got attacked? He was six months old. Right. So So lucky that it wasn't in that critical period. But even we still still youngish. Yes. I think, um, and I could be wrong, but I think like there's – like that first six months is still a critical period of development yeah. where they're still learning. I guess we're always learning and making experiences. However, um, yeah, that from what science say, that first 17 weeks, that's like the critical part of it. We can bounce back a little bit after, depending on how good your foundation is. If you have a real dodgy foundation, you're building a castle on sand, um, you know, that tide comes in, we're, we're crumbled. Yeah. We want to have a good, solid foundation. So if a few different things happen in life, we have something to come back to and we can continue m- moving forward from there. So, yeah, when we look at socialization, we want to think about – and I think we're going to do like something solely on so- socialization because I think it's a real deep topic. But just as a general advice for puppies is that socialize your puppy with a balanced older dog. Um, so like spades is great because he's really calm. We allow the puppy to approach him. Now, some puppies will be too much for him and it annoys him. And I saw fine. that last week with Maze. Yeah. Um, 
he she was like she wants to play and but he's he cracks me out because he's just kind of like he just kind of goes like that he sits back he's like yeah nah, his eyes know. just kind of widen he's for like, sure come on out of my face that's it and, and and it's good as well for the for my dog to then show their social um, social cues yeah. body language and social correction so when like if he like lifts his lip up and he shows some teeth yeah that's when i redirect the puppy back towards me to show that He's now showed you he's uncomfortable. You need to understand what those social cues are. As a general question, how many um, or what percentage do you reckon of dog trainers always work with their own dog while they're working? Is that very common? I think I think every trainer should, and I think it is quite a common thing. Mm. Um, having a demo dog is probably half of what we need to do in terms of socialization. If you haven't got a dog to socialize with, it becomes very hard. Sure. And that's when you have to probably rely on a group class. And if you do have a group class, you've got to make sure you've got a really well-balanced social dog that knows how to conduct itself appropriately. Yeah. You know, the last thing you want, I guess, space will show a puppy that he's kind of crossed the line for him specifically. If the pup keeps jumping and nipping his ear, he may show some teeth and like and advance towards him in, in some body language, but has never bitten the dog. He may bark. Um, but normally after he shows something, he'll get up, he's going to get up and move. And that's where I have to now represent spades yeah. to be like, hey, little one, you have to move towards me. Yeah. So we can start showing the pup how to engage and how to socialize with other dogs. And same with children. Children need to understand how to share, how to interact and how to do things together. That's what daycare is for, for young children. It isn't just a, a place to be looked after while we go to work. You can't, like, you can't teach a child how to share with another child if you don't have another child with you. So this is where, you know, how to stand in, in formation, stand in two lines when we walk through the door and we're going out to the play group or, you know, I have this and you want that and we say please and sorry and we don't push, we don't. So like all these social things are, are so, so important for puppies to understand. So um, so I generally say when it comes to group class, I just find it for me personally very hard to manage so many and I have, you know, I'm looked after other practices doing this because like you know for example their their trainer at the uh, at the time had been sick or something so i came and filled in in, yeah me personally i don't like it i feel that's a little bit stressful for the puppies it's stressful for for myself and also it's hard for everyone to learn in depth of how far i want to go with dog behavior and um something that um that glenn cook was was saying um from the canine paradigm and, and and i love his teachings because it makes so much sense is that you know we have puppies that are in their the rawest part of their development and we have uneducated or not fully educated qualified people teaching behavior about the most important time of somebody's life of this puppy's life so um someone who knows dog behavior you know and do it does it every single day and yeah. is experienced should be raising these puppies so then that way there we have less behavioral issues in the future what percentage of your clients are puppies or people with puppies i should say I'm probably going to say, you know, off the top of my head, maybe like 30, 40%. Right. You know, it's like, it's kind of like almost like a 50, 50 sort of mm. thing. Um, but a lot of puppies are going to pu- those traditional puppy classes where it's, it's, you know, because they just- take the dog. They take the puppy to get the medical thing. He's like, oh, by the way, we have puppy classes. It could be that. And also price, you know, like, you know, it's going to be like half the price. Sure. It's like, all right, we go there. And we're not seeing puppy training as a really important part of the puppy's life. And anyway, people think it's puppy training. It's people training for puppies. And people need to know what to do about their puppies rather than, you know, and 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 they may learn some basic command sits and down and come and, you know, what foods to eat, what not to do. And there's some benefits from it. But um, but it's important to get really into some good routine from the early stages so we don't develop any habits in the future, which is going to be my third point today. Um, so yeah, so 
that that early socialization and, and exposure to the world really really important if you have a friend that has a nice a nice well-behaved dog that's not too much and is appropriate for the pup you know hang out with that dog don't be scared to hang out and don't you're probably going to bring parvovirus into your house from the soles of your shoes right then you're probably going to get experience now maybe more rural areas or maybe less developed areas maybe there's more chance of a dog getting sick possibly so as long as you're sticking to sort of hard surfaces concrete and bitumen generally there's no dog poo around and for sure it's not going to be in the grass or in the dirt it can live in the from my knowledge again i could be wrong and i'd love someone to correct me if i'm wrong is that Parvirus can live in the soil for up to a year. The soil? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really in the soil, not in the grass. Sure. And I think it has to be dark and moist sort of areas. So near creek beds and things like that. Um, again, I could be wrong, but that's why it's such a big problem. It's not like the dog did a poo and then the poo's disappeared and then now there's no issues. Like that pathogen can be living, can hang around for a while. So it could be. And it was a big problem. Actually, I think there was an outbreak like two or three years ago in the Hunter Valley. Oh, really? You know, so it, these things can happen. I, so. I mean, again, that's sort of a semi-rural or rural area. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's really hard. I guess it has to come up to, you know, what's happening in the environment, what's the weather like, you know, who's let these dogs out that has then let it spread, you know, and who's immunizing dogs up, dogs even being immunized to, to begin with. And um, because an older dog can carry the, par- the parvovirus, which goes to the puppy. So, um, yeah, so I think those are a few really important things. And, um, and yeah, so as I was saying just before is that if you have a friend that has a dog, inter- introduce each other. If you have a trainer that has a well-balanced dog, have these early connections. And even better if it's a bit of an older dog. Right? I think so. Yeah. Like it can still be a young dog or even a, another puppy. Because Spades is what, eight and eight. Nookie's three. Three. So yeah. there's a decent age gap there. Yeah. So when you got Nookie, do you think Spades was sort of showing her the the ropes. Well, Nookie was only a year and a half when we got her, so right. it was my clients that gave it to me. But they had met when they were, when she was a puppy as well. Um, but um, but I got Spades when he was thirty weeks, and Ace was a year old. So Same it thing. was it was a good yeah. good um a good time like age gap. It was good for Spades to see Ace and see how they were interacting with each other. It was um it was really nice to see. Now I don't rely on my dog to teach my dog things. I teach my dog things, sure. but. Um, and dogs don't teach manners to each other. I think they teach instinctive things to each other. Um, and pack also animals, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if, if I, and it's not like, cause if Ace sat at the road before I cross, yeah, spades may follow that, but I'm not relying on that, but it does encourage if Ace was to run across the road or to do something I didn't want, then it's more likely for spades to follow. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. So it's more about having a good, good routine. And that's why I don't like getting two puppies at the same time, things like that. It just makes it a little bit harder for people. Mm. So that's a topic there, isn't it? So that's a whole other topic. It's one of my ranty topics as well. So, um, so people think, hey, I'm going to get a puppy. Why don't I get two? They'll be together. They'll be buddies. But what's the what's the real issue there? I guess there's two real issues is, um, first of all, it doesn't make it twice as hard. It makes it four times as hard because they motivate each other. Right. Um, and I find that- your puppy doesn't really need another buddy anyway, but if you were to do that, you need to do a lot more management in regards to making sure we don't have separation-related issues as they get older. I yep. find it a lot where you take one puppy away to go to the vet for the day and then the other puppy that's left at home has a freak out and has a very big separation distress because yep. they've never been separated from young, um, especially in your more powerful breeds and your more bully breeds. I see a lot of resource guarding issues. And also um, it's an independent thing, you know, like when – um, Ace was around about a year and a half or so. He um, had epilepsy, so he started having seizures maybe around two years old, and Spades was around about one. And I took a- Spades out on his own, and he was so unsettled. He was really anxious, and I thought back for a sec, 
I don't think Spades ever had an experience right. without another yeah. without Ace. Ace. Yeah, and I thought I was important. No, yeah. I think that, so I think what I started doing there was doing more um, individual walks and individual training and time where Ace would say outside, Spades would say inside, vice versa. I would always be switching it around. So now I guess because you work mainly with Spades, they have that separated time <clears throat> by no- default because yeah. you're working with him. So Nookie's at home. You know, by herself. No anyway. issues, no barking, no howling. She just, like, she wouldn't like to come with us. Yeah. Naturally. Um, even times where I would go and see my grandma and, and, you know, we've just had the baby, we can't fit all the dogs in the car. So I'll just take Nookie sometimes and Spazel stay at home. It's always switched up. I'm always keeping it open. I can leave one in the driveway area where we've got two gates. I can leave one in the backpack section where we've got another fenced area. I can always be moving them in different places and there's no separation related issues. Yeah. So, because I've done a lot of the hard work from, from the early days. So um, that's why I generally don't like getting the two pups at once. And also, most of the time, it doesn't go so well. And about a year old, that's when people rehome that dog. And it's just not fair it's for not the dog. It's not a good result you know, for the dog. Like, it, it, look, it, sometimes it's the best thing that has to happen in that scenario. But um, but I think best advice, if you want two dogs, get your puppy, raise him to about a year, year and a half old, where he's at the level where you enjoy it and he's a little bit easier to manage. Then we introduce the puppy. Okay. And that way there it becomes a little bit easier because most people- And then that, will, that older dog will help you with the- Well, helps dog. as well, but yeah. also most people get the two pups because they're going, I'm at work all day. I want two pups to play together. Right. Well, you've got so much more work to get back to when you come home. It's not just two mouths to feed. It's a lot more work to do. And also, yeah, they're going to encourage each other to do some madness, number one. Number two is that when you come home, they still want to be with you regardless. So I don't- yeah, I guess it's a, it's an open thing, but that's just my general opinion. Look, and some people can get two pups and it works really well for them and they're best buddies and they live their whole life together and sure. it works really well. So I'm not too set in stone, but a lot of inexperienced people are, are getting the two pups at the same time and that's where I find we start to see a lot of issues. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I don't like that. But, um, <laughs> but anyway. Um, hey, look, I mean, it's important for people to hear that because maybe someone listening to this was on the verge of buying two puppies and think, hey, maybe I could wait a year. It's not going to kill me. I'll get one puppy, raise sure. it properly, and yeah. then get another one. Well, I seen clients um, just um, a week and a half ago and they had the two pups. And um, and I've told them, like, beat into them, into them so hard about take one pup for a walk, let them have their experience on their own, come back, take the other experience, and then we can go then together. One can be out in the backyard where one stays inside, one stays on the side of the house, one stays outside, start switching it up. And I told them like a hundred times to do it. It didn't happen very often. And then there was one time where this was in our third session, we had to do a training session on to see where they were at with some of their commands. And I'm like, let's put the other one on the side there because that's where they sleep. So they know to go there. It's not like it's a foreign place. But they're always there together. And as soon as I didn't close the door, there was barking and howling and banging. Separation. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, it's never happened before. I'm like, but have they ever been, has the dog ever been there on its own? And she's like, no. So right. you can see there that if you don't practice it, well, then you're not going to have it. And, um, and it's very hard to train two puppies when they're together and there's only one of you. It becomes very, very hard to get like a, um, to get really good accurate behaviors that we're trying to work on in yeah. terms of our commands. So at so, what yeah. point do we start, um, actually trying to teach dogs? Things like what we were talking about before, the basic sit, command. stay down, that kind of thing. I start teaching it from young. I think, um, see, look, what's more, what I focus on more is about how to teach puppies how to learn. Right. So if we teach puppies how to learn. The art of learning yeah. itself. And then yeah. we can do so many cool things as they get older. But I still will teach. And the, and the part of learning is practicing sit, 
the down, the calm, the bed. So we'll still practice all the commands that I would expect an older dog to do. But my expectation of how the dog's going to do it is obviously a lot different. I'm not going to expect a puppy to hold the bed like Nookie's going to be here for the hour that we're sitting here. Mm. A puppy's not going to do that. Sure. You'll be happy to do it for 10 seconds if they're eight weeks old. Mm. Five, two seconds. Yeah. So, um, there's so much energy, right? For sure. It's like energy. trying to keep a toddler still. It's exactly. not going to happen. That's right. Yeah. But we do small progressive steps. So if we can teach them how to learn and of course, through obedience and through luring and using food reinforcement and different ways of engaging. Like if your puppy's chewing on your ankle and you start patting and feeding the pup while the dog's that teaches chewing on the you. dog that. Exactly. Do this, get a pat. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, that attention-seeking behavior has become rewarded or reinforced, then it becomes stronger and it's going to continue in the future. So we need to um, teach puppies how to learn in regards to using food and not just doing it inside the house, as I was saying before, do it in the driveway, do it up the road. If you can – I don't want to put too much pressure on a puppy in terms of doing commands. Like I, don't, I just think that's just not really – you're probably setting yourself up to fail. You want to be able to – have good management, which is my next point, mm. but um, good management first. And then through that, we have little moments of good behavior and we're rewarding. So, for example, if I had my puppy on the on the harness and we walked up to the end of my driveway and a dog walks past, I'm not going to expect my puppy to hold a sit-stay while the, pup, the other dog walks past and then I say, okay, like that's just not going to happen. So, we don't teach like loose lead walking. We don't teach um, like sit-stays, down-stays. Like that's just way too complex for a puppy. So, at what age would that stuff start to come in? I do it personally around six to seven months. Okay. Is normally around we start introducing more of the obedience side yeah. of things. But in terms of if I was to see a dog walk past and I didn't particularly want my puppy to run up to it, I'd probably try to redirect and have my food and try to um, get my get the pup's attention onto me. I would obviously have that puppy on a harness and, and a lead as well so it doesn't physically actually get to run up to him. Every time that puppy engages and focuses on me, boom, I reward. Yeah. And that way there we start to show the pup when things are happening that are exciting, focus on me, good things can happen. Um, and also we don't want to get into the habit of the pup thing winding itself up with barking and lunging and, and biting its harness and yeah. doing all this um, just puppy excited stuff. Because if we allow it to happen too often and it becomes habit, then it's going to be something else that we need to try to avoid as they get older. So, um, so yeah, so teaching them how to learn, I think that's like a really important thing that kind of gets overseen. People need to learn how they le- how they learn. I was listening yeah. to um, a podcast the other day. I'm um, with Paul Check, and he was saying how now he's 60, and he says when he was 40, he knew how stupid he was, and he's not even going to talk about how stupid he thought he was when he was 20. And one thing that he said was, in each of those 20 year kind of jumps, he learned from the 40 years to the 60 years, he learned how to learn better. Because right. he learned how to learn better, he learned more, more effectively, more efficiently, and that way there he you kind of make this like kind of um compounding effect on learning. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with a puppy is that all same with us as well. If once you learn how to do things um, in regards to how to be focused when there's distractions around, how to be able to play these games that have – like when we play games and games like just when kittens are playing with each other, they're learning how to hunt and stalk. For example, or when puppies are chasing, you know, the, the crickets on the ground, they're, they're learning all of these things naturally on their own. Even when kids are playing with each other, they're learning social boundaries, how to win, you know, and competition. These things are very important yeah. in life. So once we learn these things from young, we can then apply them into real life, um, actual activities. Mm. And that's what we want to focus on with puppies as well. So 
Don't put too much pressure on your pup to make them do I, – I can probably get a puppy to sit stay, but I'm crushing them too much. I'm killing their drive. I'm making them confused and frustrated. I'm putting too much pressure on me to get the pup to do it, and it's not even that necessary. I'd rather a puppy be so full of beans and bouncing around and jumping at the end of the lead, for example. And then, like, so a border collie that I've seen recently, um, he was scared of cars. So he's this in is a, car, a puppy? A puppy, so yeah. probably around 15 weeks old. Yeah. Would be a little bit scared of the cars and – um, so what would he do when a car came around? He would like turn around and boom and just dart off into Trying the opposite run. direction. Yeah. Some puppies would see the car and try to chase it if they're a border collie because right. they have, have that prey drive, prey drive yeah. and their herding instinct. So what we needed to do was who cares if the puppy is not loose lead walking? Get him on the harness and start getting him to take us to places. Start rewarding and getting some mo- moments of focus on me. What I did with the car, for example, is I stood about – 10 meters away from the curb, a car would come past. As the car's coming, the dog would then look in the direction. I'd go, hey, pop, 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 The dog would look, bang, bang. i start rewarding and playing this little game. And then I did this repetition, repetition over the next five minutes. And there was – border collies are pretty smart, so they make the connections pretty quickly. He started to see the car come and started to look towards me right. to play this game. And if we did this and if the owners practice this, which they have been consistently, now the car starts to drive past and the puppy doesn't really see it. And then also the next comment was he pulls a lot on the lead. I'm like, right now you're going to have pulling on the lead. Sure. Who cares about the pulling? As it's long not as a high harness. priority right now. Not right now. Now we could teach the puppy, be next to me, be focused on me, but such a complex skill while there's so many um, distractions around, it just becomes way too- It'll come later. It's too hard. And yeah. we can do it. It's really easy to do it a little bit older, especially with a, a dog that has a good solid foundation. Mm. Which then means there's going to be a bit of frustration, but who's not frustrated when they have a toddler? You know, so we know we have to kind Pick of your battles, right? Hundred yeah. percent, I think so. And anyway, someone who's confident knows how to think and follow, and that way there, then we can kind of um start to up the antes in regards to what we expect of them. So I think that's another important fundamental of puppy raising. Mm. Um, and then the next point that I want to talk about was management in the house. Like, what are we doing inside the house? Too many people are leaving their puppies run free in the living room. They go out to work and expect the house to be in the same condition they left the house in. Come back, the couch has been chewed. Bad. Yeah. Peeing on the couch, destroyed the cables, have, you know, barked all day. So, things that we need. So, what I would probably recommend, and a lot of people don't do it, but um, and, and I've seen a lot more people doing it recently, is teaching a puppy how to be crate trained. Crate, to have, so, a, have their own space. Have their own space. Now, um, a crate is an actual little cage sort of thing yeah. that the puppy can like go in. Like a fence. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. so that's an exercise pen. Oh. So, a, a, a crate is like a box, like a crated box. Oh, I mean, right. a, like a, a wiry box. Yeah. And the, and the puppy stays in there. So, it's good for training. And it has a training. roof. It's got a roof, but it's not like um, – it's not solid. It's still all cagey, yes. Yeah. So, right. the, the puppy can't get right. out. Okay. Um, now, that becomes a good place for management, for toilet training, good place for your pup to learn that that's your place to be, that's your calm time. I'll let you out when it's time to come out. Um, and that way there, you're stopping your dog from developing any bad habits like destructive behavior, toileting in the wrong spaces and things like that. Now, you know, talking about crate training is a whole nother topic, but I'm going to leave it just at there. I yep. think people do their own research and we'll talk about crate training as well. I'm sure that will come up in, in future topics as well, but crate training for your puppy is number one. Now, do that for the first year of your pup's life, every single time that it's going to bed or it's downtime. Um, it's a good habit to have. So then when your pup needs to, or your dog, when he gets older, has to go to the vet, 
knows how to be in a small enclosed space with with the, with the less stress. It's good for transportation if you need to you want to go for a road trip and you don't have somewhere where you can have the dog in your back seat. You can have him in his crate. Um, it's that good, becomes like a safe space for the dog. Yeah, right? it does. Like yeah. you know, like obviously the dog would prefer probably not to be in there. Sure, but. The dog's comfortable going in there. Like, and I was looking after a friend's dog and she was in my yard, um, eight o'clock come around, I opened the crate in your bed, boom, she darted in there like nobody's business. I closed the, the, um, the door on it. I came back, you know, first thing in the morning, let her out. And then boom, she went outside. She did tall and it was a time to play for the day. Now she has, Dahlia had to learn to be inside that crate because she lives in a small space. At the time it was like a smaller area with lots of cats in the room and she was a puppy and again, good management. And, um, and Alicia was doing the right things. Why teach a dog to chase the kittens and terrify them or the cats and terrify them and destroy the place? Teach a puppy from young where the safe place is. And over time, we don't even need to use it all the time. Okay. So that's another thing. Another point of management is, yeah, using an exercise pen or having like the laundry or having a place for your puppy to be is another alternative. Don't let your pup run free. It's just craziness. And if I was going to have a fresh puppy, eight, nine weeks old in my house, always on a lead. Um, that way there I can- don't In the to, house? In the house. I don't yep. have to chase my puppy and try to like grab them by Just the- grab the lead. And grab the lead and kind of control it. And that's also conditioning them to be used to the lead itself, right? And Double the harness. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yep. Um, that way there I can control it. If the pup goes to run somewhere, I can step on the lead, come back over here. Um, you know, puppy proof your house. Don't leave your brand new nice shoes on the floor if you know your puppy's going to chew <laughs> yeah. them up, right? I seen a client um, recently and she goes, oh, my God, can you believe my puppy jumped on my bed and peed on it? I'm like, well, where does your pup hang out when you're at work? She goes, I just have a whole apartment. And I'm like, well, that's a bad thing, right? So she goes, well, where should you go? So we came up with a good management plan. We had exercise pen because she wasn't keen on crate training. That's fine. So um, there was a little bathroom area where the food and the water was and there was a toilet area and there's a little like kind of, hallway-ish thing where the um where the bedrooms connect. So we created that section off. That's where the pup had to stay. The dog already knew where to well like the dog was probably around five or six months old. Knew where to pee because there was already like a de- dele- delegated space for it. And then the puppy can come outside when she's at home when she's supervising and she can control the dog. Not just was it peeing on the couch. I mean peeing on the bed, but it was destroying the couch, destroying the pillows. Oh my gosh, the place was, um, it was stressing her out. She yeah. was legitimately stressed. The dog didn't know what to do. If we don't have good management to begin with, how are we going to teach the desirable behaviors? And as we may or may not have mentioned, but we've only got 1.6 seconds to make the connection between a behavior and its consequence. And if you come That's three so quick, hours, right? yeah. so quick, man, you yeah. got like moments, right? Yeah. So. Good supervision of your puppy inside your house. You want your pup to live with you in harmony and you want to be able to, like we have dogs to complement our lives, not to complicate it. So let's start setting our pups up for success as much as we can in those early days through good exposure, teaching them how to learn and good management. And through these three key things um, at this stage um, of our conversation, we can start to see how we're creating a good environment shaping for it. it. We're shaping everything in that puppy's life so we don't have to be so perplexed of, oh, my God, can you believe the puppy chewed the couch when I went into the bathroom? Mm. So my advice is if you have an exercise pen or a crate or somewhere delegated area for your pup, you head off into the bathroom to have a shower, that pup has to go back in its spot unless someone's supervising it. With the um, with the collars and harnesses, I noticed so the, the client session that I watched the other week with Maze, um, when she was at home, she didn't have a collar on. Is that... Is that a common thing with puppies? Like, what, what would you advise around that? Is it better to keep it on them, to have them used to it all the time? So, with collars, so we'd, I don't attach a lead to a puppy's collar really because they're young and I just want them to develop properly and we don't, don't want them to get desensitized to, mm. to their collar. 
But I would suggest having a collar all the time, especially with a little tag with the sure, details. they get out, yeah. Of course, they get out. But also, if they go to run out the front door or to do something you don't like, you can then grab grab the collar. Yeah. And, then, and, then, um, and then if you don't have the collar to grab, what are you going to grab? Their leg, grab their tail, grab their fur. And that's where we can hurt the puppy and the puppy doesn't like it. Of course, and the puppy can then turn back and bite you. Yeah. Um, and then we make them scared so they don't want us to grab them again. So we do want to desensitize puppies. You want to grab the collar and reward, grab the collar reward, put a bit of pressure on the collar reward, start teaching the puppy a little bit of pressure on the collar is not a bad thing. So then when you come to grab that collar, the puppy's just going to sit there and go, that's okay. Maybe the food's going to come anyway. Mm. Where some people grab and pull, grab and pull. And before you know it, the dog's like, you're coming for me. I'm going to run yeah. or I'm going to bite your finger. Yeah. Or they go on their back and they pee on themselves because they're scared. So. We don't want these things. We want to make sure that we have good, clear communication. And also, um, hey, we want our dogs to be confident. Who wants their puppy to be scared? Yeah. Right? Um, and yeah, and I think that now look now in saying that there are some pups, well, maybe not pups, but as they get older, we need to make sure that we are looking after our whole yard or our house. If you don't have, you know, um, protruding fences or things that a collar can get stuck on. That's why a lot of people don't have collars on their dogs because, and a dog like Maze could have possibly jumped up because she jumps very high and she's bouncing around everywhere. If something gets caught up onto that collar and, um, and then she can, she yeah. can suffocate. So, yeah. you know, I guess some people are very firm with always have a collar on your dog. Some people are saying never ever have a collar on your, on your dog or your puppy when they're unattended. So it depends on your environment. So if, if you've assessed everything and things look pretty safe and your pup's not bouncing off the walls like a ping pong ball, then um then I'd say definitely have a collar on. My yeah. dogs always have collars on in the house. Yeah. All all the time. Yeah. But they're not really um overexcited, bouncing around, mm. gonna get themselves caught on things. Accidents happen as well. You know, you can't really avoid accidents. But um but I've seen a lot of times where a pup went to run out the front door and like I had nothing to do but grab grab the dog's fur out of reaction. And um and of course yeah you can get bitten or you you scare the dog and then you let go. And sometimes you grab that dog and they go oh, straight away we let go. And then boom, they run. Right. And then we're going to start chasing a pup down the street. And unless they've got a recall on them, what are we going to do? Right. Chase them and then they run. And then we've got other issues um, that can come from there. So yeah, those three things, exposure, teaching pups how to learn management in the house and also setting your pup up for success. These are, these are like those key, key things that are often maybe not taken seriously enough or maybe just it's part of the, the ignorant nature of people that just get the dog, like they just don't understand. We're just going to wing it, see how we go from there. But if I can give any quick advice to anybody, those are the really important things to um to do with your pups. And, and that's why exposure is always number one because that's something that – like if your dog's peeing in the house and destroyed your house, that can always be replaced. Yeah. But building confidence in early years can't, can't really be replaced as well. So Yeah, you've got to <clears throat> build that foundation, right, to have yeah. the – to set yourself up for success – later you're going to have your dog for 10 15 years exactly so that getting that 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 first uh, 17 weeks right yeah is uh, is crucial and some people get their pup their rescue dogs and they come at 20 weeks old or they come at six months old so like obviously these things can't be done what i would say is always if you're a breeder and you're breeding puppies don't just let the pups just be hanging out in the backyard and doing nothing what i would do is so if i was breeding dogs is that i would be doing as much exposure and conditioning with those pups as possible so basically i'd be getting them used to loud noises even from even younger than they're seven weeks old why not start showing them how to interact with certain different stimulus that the the environment can provide so um 
if you're a good breeder and a lot of good breeders are out there, these pups come and they kind of, they don't know commands, but they know how to interact and engage with you. Um, but you got a lot of people that are just breeding just for the fun of breeding and this can cause other issues as well. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. Mm. Then we go down the route of, you know, bad breeding selection isn't really good. So then we've got, um, genetic traits that are passing through into other dogs. That then means that we have aggression issues, um, anxiety issues, fear related things. And, you know, and these things are, um, hopefully as we start to develop, you know, with our, in the canine community that we're starting to get more responsible, um, ownership and breeders, um, giving good advice as well. So, yeah. All right. That's a good That's episode, it. man. There's a lot yeah, of thanks. information there. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. If you guys enjoyed it, leave a comment, leave a review and, uh, let us know if you've got questions, that sort of thing. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That's it. And obviously where you download our podcast from. That's it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's good, man. That was good, huh?